You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 258 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. How is everyone doing in the middle of winter? Are you cold? Are you enjoying the snow? Well, I guess it depends on where in the world you live, but I live in the part of the world where winter is winter, so to say. You know, before we get the show going, I have a question. Have you ever heard of Freddy Overstegen? I think that's how you say the name. Overstegen? Uh, well, anyway, she was, together with her sister, a Dutch resistance member during the occupation of the Netherlands in World War II. And uh, they lured soldiers to the woods under the pretense of a romance. And then they killed them. Freddy, it might sound like a guy, but it's a girl, <laughs> if you didn't uh, catch that. But uh, Freddy, she would approach the soldiers in taverns and bars and ask them to go for a stroll in the forest. She was only around 14 years old at the time, which makes those Nazis also be pedophiles, or, you know, uh, interested in becoming pedophiles, because uh, she would kill them before they had a chance to do anything. Killing Nazis. You know, in 2014, she was awarded the Mobilization War Cross by Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte for her and her sister's acts of resistance during the war. And there is also a street named after her in the city of Harlem in Holland. I want you to keep this in mind, because here we have a person that is considered a hero, but she killed people. You know, she killed Nazis, but you know, she still killed people. So what I wonder, what I'm really asking here, why I'm talking about this is because I want to know why is it f controversial? Why is it controversial for me to say that we should kill presidents, the leaders of the World Bank and other banking and financial institutions and uh, the CEOs of uh, the industrial military complex, etc., etc.? Why is it controversial to say that? I guess love and compassion for everyone is the right way forward and I still find it strange that people get upset whenever I suggest the solution may be to just kill these greedy big shot bankers. Yet those people that find uh, killing bankers and warmongering presidents, the people that find that controversial, at the same time they, they applaud and cheer over people like Freddy who killed Nazis. So it's a bit of a contradiction, I think, because, well, sure, you could say that Nazis are worse than those bankers I'm talking about, but are they? Are Nazis really worse? I mean, they had concentration camps and they killed a lot of people. Um, you know, bankers haven't done that, really, but uh, they do. And who do you think financed the Nazis? 
Who do you think financed those concentration camps? Who put up the money? It was those goddamn bankers. So for me, you know, there's no difference really when you say it's good to kill Nazis, build a statue of those people who kill Nazis, but uh, disgrace and ridicule people who say we should kill the banking Nazis of today. And I'm trying to spread peace and love and compassion in this world, but I'm just saying that sometimes I just have this urge that maybe we should just go to these people's houses, the people who are at the very top, using their greed to just destroy the world with war, famine, enslaving people in the third world and so on and so on just drag them out on the street and hang them and I'm the enemy I'm the bad guy I bet you if I did that in a hundred years there will be a street named after me (laughs) anyway as you know I have a Patreon page and um, long ago I posted a little story on there that uh, I now feel like I want to share with the public. Uh, The story is called Stain. I've been going in a darker direction in this episode, uh, you know, talking about Nazis and killing bankers and and that kind of thing. So why not continue uh, to have that theme? And this Stain story is a personal story that uh, is also a bit dark that I hope you enjoy. All right, when um, when I was about 11, 10, 11, a friend of the family committed suicide. He was the older of three brothers and uh, my mother was friends with his girlfriend and they had a baby as well. And uh, she she wanted to leave him, so he committed suicide. It's what's normal, I guess. Uh, often when men commit suicide, it has something to do with a woman in some way or another. But not really in this case, because later on I found out that his mom and dad had uh, molested him his younger brother and his youngest brother so his parents were real evil fucks and it did make sense because uh, I remember one time I was over at at their house and when I was there I was probably only like uh, seven eight years old but I remember the vibe I only went there once and for that reason because I did not like the vibe in that house and uh, of course it's equally horrible if a father molests a child as if a mother does it and I I don't know maybe it's just uh, some sort of brainwashing or prejudice on my part but for some reason it's just it's just worse when a mother does it you know 
Because a father, he can have a child and not be emotionally invested in any way. You know, you, you fuck a girl, you go to Thailand, and then when you come back two years later, she informs you, hey, you got a child. Uh, and then the guy goes, all right, then I'll fuck it. I mean, like, you don't have to be emotionally invested. Uh, um, but the mother, she carries the child for nine months. So for her to molest her child, that's truly fucked up. I mean, it's fucked up in either case, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's just weird. Anyway, this little story I'm going to tell has nothing to do with pedophilia or anything like that. Um, it's actually got to do with the aftermath of the suicide because something happened to me. And just to, to give you all some closure, the younger of the three brothers, he ended up in a mental asylum. The older one, as I said, he committed suicide. And the middle brother, he he actually was the one who went to the police after the suicide. And, you know, now those parents have been arrested. And I don't know what's happened to them since then. You know, this was many years ago. And it's not like I kept in contact <laughs> But anyway, when when he committed suicide, he did it with a gun. He sat on his couch and he blew his brains out. And the police uh, were called and they were not sure if he was dangerous or whatever. So they like shot gas into the apartment and that. But he was already dead. And so anyway, when after he was dead... Uh, a few weeks later, we, I mean, the girlfriend, she had to empty the apartment of, of all the stuff and, uh, you know, clean up the mess, so to speak. So my mother uh, decided to help her with this and other people were there to help as well, as was I. And uh, when I went into the apartment... Uh, there was no sofa. I mean, the sofa where he had been sitting was gone. And on the wall, there was this large piece of, like, wallpaper that had been, like, stuck to the wall to cover the blood, I, I imagine. I imagined. And it looked really macabre. And I really, I was only 11, 10, 11, and I, uh, this was the first time I, I had experienced death. I mean, the first time somebody I knew had died, and they died by shooting their, shooting themselves in the head, you know, it's quite violent, the way that, that it's quite a violent way to go, you know. And people were taking stuff and walking downstairs with it and walking back up. And I, I really wanted to see what was behind that piece of paper on the wall. And I had to time it so I was in the apartment alone and nobody else. Uh, because I knew they were not going to allow me to look. So we were carrying things uh, out the apartment and I managed to time it carefully. So I ended up in the apartment alone. So I walked up to the 
quickly walked up to the this piece of paper wallpaper on the wall and I removed it and I saw this huge red blood stain and there were I don't know if it was coagulated blood or actually pieces of flesh I don't know but there were like lumps red lumps also in the stain and I, I remember just looking at it staring at it and time stopped and I became really fascinated uh, by the stain because it was a visual representation of death and also a visual representation of you know either something really cowardly or something really brave I mean when you decide to kill yourself I mean you are equally a coward and equally really brave you know depending on on your outlook I guess you know I mean like many there's many people in the world who want to commit suicide but they're too afraid to do it uh, so that's what I'm saying you know it's you're a coward you're escaping your problems but you're also brave because you dare to do it it's not the cry for help you know it's not like oh look at me I'm in pain it's like no I'm about to die I want to die and then I heard the people come back into the apartment so I quickly tried to put this piece of paper back and I almost did not make it in time but I managed to do it and it was only many years later when I told my mother that I had done that but um, I don't know if this event seeing this bloodstain of this person that I knew I mean I knew the guy quite well and he you know had spent time with him he, wa he was a great guy in fact it was through his VHS tapes where I, where I saw my first movies like I remember like he showed me Back to the Future which which was you know when I was like six years old and I saw that film Back to the Future my mind was completely blown and I have loved time travel movies ever since but uh, uh, you know I was 10 11 and then I mean puberty started so it might have happened anyway but I did really develop a fascination with the dark side and with death and it lasted for quite a while through my teenage years and uh, even now that image of that blood stain is still very strong in my memory so I thought I would share it with you guys and uh, the only point I have to the story is that even though I knew I shouldn't look and I might regret looking at the bloodstain I also knew that I would regret even more not looking because there's nothing in this life that is more powerful than a truly direct experience well I hope you like that little story, but I just noticed it's Christmas. 
you know, in a couple of days, if you're listening to this episode as it came out, it's Christmas Eve and maybe we should lighten up the mood a bit. And I want to play another uh, little thing I posted on my Patreon page uh, long ago called The Meaning of Christmas. So enjoy that. Growing up, I loved Christmas. I loved it. It was such a magical, mysterious, cozy holiday. And uh, when I became a teenager, I kind of like... Uh, when I got into this thing about rejecting... I mean, I started like disliking fascism, dogma, tradition, all those things. You know, I, I wanted to reject it all go against the stream in all aspects I started to boycott Christmas and I didn't celebrate Christmas for many 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 years Um, I stopped celebrating Christmas when I maybe when I was like at the end of my teen teens I guess and and then when I had my baby I, I decided to start celebrating Christmas again because during that time of not celebrating Christmas, I discovered a few things about Christmas that you don't see as easily when you are in it. Like, when you don't question what you're doing, how do you know what you're really doing? And uh, I had a thing, when I was not celebrating Christmas, that there, was the, the, there were a few things I discovered, and that was, like, the best... Christmas Eve is the best day to go to the cinema because you have the cinema all by yourself. You know, there's nobody there, maybe one more person or something, but it's quite empty. It's also a good day to take a walk in the city if you live in a city because, like, the streets are empty. Everybody is at home. And when I told people this, they thought, well, how sad, how lonely. But I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed not being part of it. That's been a thing with me, something I've struggled with my whole life. This thing about enjoying. I enjoy not being a part. It's hard to explain. Um, it's like I I I revel in my outsider status, and as soon as I become an insider. I have to do something to push me to the outside again. And anyway, uh, with the baby, I decided to start celebrating Christmas again. And and it came creeping back and I rediscovered it. And now Christmas is for me a bit different than what it was when I was a child. Instead of like experiencing magic and seeing the elves and seeing the magical... uh, events that surrounds Christmas with Santa Claus and all that all that stuff instead now older I've discovered the beauty of instead creating the magic you know so now I am the producer of Christmas not the 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 viewer or the uh, the guest or the participant. Now I t- create 
this magical world for my daughter. And that's quite fun. Also, uh, when I started rejecting Christmas, it was way before I, I had discovered psychedelics. So one major reason why I became attracted to Christmas again is because where I live, the flyagaric, the Amanita muscaria, the, the, the mushroom that's red with white dots, is a huge part of the Christmas decorations. And I had kept a lot of the Christmas decorations from my youth. And a lot of it were mushrooms. So I was like, hey man, that's that's very interesting. So I I love now to decorate my house with mushrooms all over the place. And I, and I have this nativity scene where I've replaced the baby Jesus with a mushroom. And um, so, so Christmas for me is a celebration of the mushroom. And the mushroom, when you eat it, you know, you also enter a magical landscape. And finally, I want to mention that, you know, and this was true also when I was a child, you, you know, it was great getting presents, you know, getting toys, and it, it, I loved getting gifts. But I also enjoyed giving gifts. And uh, nowadays, you know, people ask me, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I don't know. Honestly, there's nothing I want. And if there is something I really want, you can't buy it for me because you wouldn't know how to get it. I mean, like maybe I want a certain book, first edition, published by that publisher or something like specific or nerdy like that. And they wouldn't be able to, like, so I'll have to buy it myself. So it's not really anything I want. But I enjoy buying presents. And I, I've, I've, uh, I've come up with a good tradition that I'm going to start to do with my daughter. Maybe, maybe this Christmas, I don't know, she's not that old yet. So she might not comprehend it. But the sooner you start, the better. And what we are going to do is we are going to go to the supermarket and I, she is going to decide what to buy. And if, if it's something really stupid, I'll have to say, no, that that's not a good idea. But, you know, I'll teach her what would be good ideas to buy, but she'll she'll have to pick, you know, which brand or I don't know. And it will be like food and drink and all those things. So, so we go to the supermarket, we buy all this stuff, and then she has to make the box and wrap it and you know uh, make it look nice. And then she has to decide which homeless person to give it to. And I think that is a very healthy tradition because. You know, I live a life of great privilege. There's no question about that. I I live a life of great privilege. A lot of the privilege I have came at birth. You know, like being a man is a bit easier. Being white, also easy. Being born in a country that's quite wealthy from the get-go, yeah, that's quite easy. So those things I had no control over. And the other part of my privilege is that I've is something I made myself. You know, I've made sure 
I would not become an uneducated heroin addict living in the ghetto. I made sure. I mean, I could have ended up there, but I made sure I didn't. So that part of the privilege is something I've earned, I guess you could say. But anyway, I am privileged compared to a bunch of other people. So I think it's very important to be aware of that. That you know, most people in the world are worse off than I am. And um, in terms of like, just you know, imagine you don't you live on the street, you have to beg for a living. I think it's important to teach children that there's always somebody who is worse off than they are. I mean, like most people who live in a white society and who are not unemployed, who have a job, who they have a job, you know, they're not wealthy, but you know, they have an income and you know, they live in a nice house or flat and just, you know, average people in Europe and and North America and Australia. Uh, those people, you know, aren't they like a bit stingy, a bit like scroogey for not once in a while giving like a hundred bucks to some poor person? I'm not talking about giving them a dollar. If I can give them a hundred bucks, you know, you know, there many people can afford to do that once in a while. They can afford. I mean, it it might mean that they can't like go to the restaurant for the third time that week. You know, so, yeah. So fucking eat some baked beans and just give that money to some poor person. Why not? Do you really need it? If you have like, if the rent is paid, okay. Let's 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 say it like this. If the rent is paid, if you're not hungry, if the debt collector is not looking for you, and if you have a job, any job, doesn't matter what, and if you are fairly healthy, you know, you don't have like big lumps in your brain or you're not coughing blood, if you're not if if if, if you're fairly healthy and you have a roof over your head, you know, um What do you really need? You know? You know, you might like, oh, I, I want to buy this book or I want to go watch this movie. Maybe if everybody who lived a life in that position that I described, maybe if they every other time or every third time they decide to buy something or indulge in something or buy a bit of extra candy or, you know, go out and have a drink... What if they don't do that? What what if they take the money they would have spent on that and just you know, give it to somebody else? Oh, but they're just going to buy drugs and get drunk. Yeah, well, well well well, that's their choice. It's not about what they will do with the money. It's not about, you know, if I buy a flower to a girl. If she takes that flower and throws it in the fire as soon as I left the room or as soon as I left left her alone, 
it doesn't really matter because the act of giving her giving that flower to her that moment of giving that gift that's the value so if you give like a hundred bucks to a homeless person and he they're like oh nice a hundred bucks that's fucking awesome nobody's ever given given me that much money or a hundred euros let's say oh a hundred euros nobody's ever given that much money to me oh fuck now I can go out and buy loads of crack and just get fucked up you know great well have fun if they overdose and die <laughs> you know don't feel guilty that that's not the point i'm trying to make the point i'm trying to make is that very second that very moment when the gift is received is an energy and a feeling that is amazing both for the giver and for the receiver in that little moment in that moment in time when the gift is given is where love lives should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind should old acquaintance be forgot and Next Sunday is the last episode of 2019 and I'm not sure what will happen in 2020 but one thing is for sure there will be some changes done in regards to the podcast but I still hope you will support it, share it and follow it in social media. You can also leave a nice review on iTunes. Here's one review that I received uh, and the review is talking about episode 134 that dealt with near-death experiences. An episode titled Life After Life starring Dr. Raymond Moody. The review reads, 
interesting. I found life after life very interesting. Keep up the good work. Average Joe, 9,000. Well, thank you for those nice words. All right, that's it for this episode. I hope uh, you uh, have the Christmas spirit in you and the dark beginning of this episode hasn't changed your mood. Uh, But to help you get more into the Christmas spirit, I want to close this episode with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, singing an old favorite of mine, Angels from the Realms of Glory. See you next week. Freedom is in the mind. Sages, leave your contemplations. Brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire.